You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning in this brand new series. We're going to be going, like I said, through the book of Ephesians. I want to give you a resource And I want to encourage you, if you're able to, to study the book of Ephesians on your own. Let me give you a resource. This resource is not going to be on the screen. This is going to be for you, if you're interested in doing a little bit of a deeper dive into the book of Ephesians. And it's a website. It's completely free to you. In fact, it's a website that I use as a resource, and several of our pastors use as a resource. And it's simply this. It's called EnduringWord.com. So if you want to, you can open up the book of Ephesians, you can go to EnduringWord.com and it's gonna give you a breakdown verse by verse and it's an amazing thing. Essentially, Enduring Word is a collection of different commentaries that come together and it's completely free and you can actually download an app if you'd like but website's just as good. So if you wanna research for this, it's there. Now, before we get into Ephesians chapter one, let me make several statements. Number one, first statement I wanna make is this, there's no way to do justice to the amount of content that we have. And the next 25 minutes, okay, 35 minutes. There's no way to do justice. So I encourage you to do your own study. Here's the other thing about the, the word of God. It's called the living word of God. And I find the living word of God is such a great description for what this is. And the reason why I find it's descriptive is because you can read this passage of scripture and it's gonna speak something to you now. But two years down the road, you can revisit this passage of scripture, read the very same passage, and something that you didn't see this go around is gonna hit you the next go around. How awesome is God's word? And so you'll be in a different place, and so it's literally the living word of God. It's a content that you can go to, and you can, you can dive into, you can build your life on, and so I love that it's the living word of God. There's no way we can do justice to all the things that we're gonna have today uh, or the next several weeks. And so I encourage you to study on your own. The last thing I wanna say is this, is give some context to Ephesians. So Paul's in jail and he writes the letter of Ephesians. And I believe he actually writes it not to a specific church. I believe it's a circulated letter to the churches in Ephesus. Ephesus is what we would consider modern day Turkey. It was really important to the Roman Empire. And here's what many scholars believe. It's Paul's quintessential letter. Outside of Romans, this letter of Ephesians is like Paul's greatest writing, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit. But they would say that this is like the crown jewel of the epistles that Paul wrote. So it's an unbelievably beautiful book that we get a chance to actually read through. And the thing that makes Ephesians different from other letters is that Paul is not addressing specific issues. You read Corinthians, he's addressing specific issues. You read Ephesians, he's communicating principles at large. And when he writes to the church at Ephesus, and I believe it was a letter that was circulated to churches, there was an, a, a, a very strategically written by Paul. There was been a, a cult in the early days that Paul's addressing in how he communicates about Christ's just incredibleness. And in this communication of, of the different language that Paul uses, he's combating a cult, but he's also trying to get the Jews and the Gentiles to see that we are actually together in this. Not two different people, but together under Christ. And so as we read this book of Ephesians, a subject of unity is significant in this and the the headship of Christ over the church. And it's an unbelievably beautiful letter. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read Ephesians 1, lots of reading, and then we're going to pull some points from it at the end, some things. And again, I can't do justice to it, but we're just going to highlight some things. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 1, it says this, reading from the NIV. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus. Man, that's beautiful. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Holy cow, this is rich. This is not fluff right here. This is rich. This is meat. Mm purposed in Christ, to be put into effect, verse 10, when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on, under, and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to praise, to the praise of his glory. Let's pause there for just a second. When we read Ephesians, first of all, it talks about God's redemption and God's plan and how God chose us and we were picked and I want to pause for a moment because if we can get to the word predestined, and depending on how you grew up in church, this can mean a lot of different things. So I want to just give a very simple, and again, I'm not going to do an in depth, there's no way to do this, of what I believe God is saying here and explaining it to the best of my ability in a very simple way. Most of us, when we get a chance to travel, what we do is we pull out our smartphones and we get a destination in mind. And so this right here is my, this is my phone that I got here. And this is, if I was driving to my granny's house, now she no longer lives at this address, but if I was driving to my granny's house in North Carolina, just like most of us, I'm gonna get my phone out, I'm gonna put in the destination. And when I put in the destination to get to my granny's house, it's gonna give me several options. The fastest route going up through I-85 North and then hitting across and going that way. The other way is going to Columbia. Now almost all, all of us, when we're given choices on which way to go, we click fastest route, fastest route, fastest route. But it's interesting that it gives you choices. And so, again, this last time, my wife and I, along with our elders in our church, we went to Tennessee. We got a chance to do this very same thing. And I get a chance to go visit Granny. Then this is how it goes. But it gives you choices. Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, he made seven declarations about who he is. They're called the I am declarations. Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. But one of the declarations that Jesus made about himself was this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said this, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So what I wanna explain here, when you read in Ephesians, it says this, is that there is not multiple roads to get into heaven. 
that essentially what it's saying is that God in Ephesians chapter one, he predestined one road to get there. And that one road, his name is Jesus. And that one road, that's name is Jesus, gave his life for us by the shedding of his blood on the cross that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And how good it is that God didn't have multiple roads and multiple ways. He doesn't cause us to earn our way into heaven. You know what he does? With his sacrifice on the cross, the gospel tells us that we are forgiven the moment that we believe in him. And so Jesus made a declaration. I am the way. There's no other way. There's no other route. There's no other way that you can make it. If you want to find life, it's through me. That's how it works. So when you read Ephesians chapter one, it's putting Christ at the center of everything and saying, do you want life? Yes, you want life. Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the path that God chose, think about this, and you can go back into the Old Testament, one of the most beautiful verses, Genesis 3.15. It's after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, and God is handing down consequences, and in Genesis 3.15, you know what it says? It says that God already has a plan in motion to crush the enemy. That through the seed of a woman in Genesis 3.15, God says, I'm gonna make a way. And so we read Thousands of years later in Ephesians, you know what God says? When everything went bad, I had a way. And it's not like there's multiple options. In fact, Jesus said this, narrow is the path that leads to life. It's narrow because there's only one way. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. Why? Because there's a lot of ways you can jack your life up. I've been on that path sometimes. There's all kinds of different things. And so there's one path, there's one way. It's not multiple ways. And so that's, it's just beautiful. So I wanted to kind of explain that. So I believe that God has given us, one of the best gifts that God's given us is the ability to choose, free will. And in choosing, we get a chance to choose Jesus, but the path itself is predestined by God because there is no other path that we can go. It's Jesus, that's the only way to get into heaven. It's the only way to find life. So that, in a very brief explanation, does that. Let's keep reading though, let's get to uh, verse 15 and we're gonna finish the chapter. Ephesians 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the, mighty, as, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked. Oh, man, above every name. Not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And God placed, i just say this, if you are in some of your worst moments of life, you have a name that you can hold on to. Anyone been in a situation like that and you knew you had nothing but you declared and cried out the name of Jesus? Jesus. Oh, it's beautiful. The name above all names. And then verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So, I can't do everything, but what I wanna do is I wanna do this. I wanna take that phrase, his glorious inheritance. Let's talk this morning real quick about the inheritance that we have access to today. 
real quick the inheritance that we have access to today and taking from the passages we just read. Now, there's so much depth here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let me give you three thoughts and these are things that as I was going through Ephesians 1 have hit me and they impact our everyday life and they show us that we can actually build our life on God and his word. And the first word I wanna do is this, the first uh, inheritance, because an inheritance essentially is something that we have access to. And so God's word just finished telling us, it says that we have an inheritance and access to that. And that's really the first word, we have access. Now I have a thought here, ready? What's unseen by people is often what is most significant to God. And what Ephesians declares is this, is that everybody has now access the thing that Jesus came for was our hearts. And the thing that we can't always understand is the heart situation. And so what's unseen, what's behind the scenes, we can present ourselves one way to people. We can act like everything's good when things are not. We can pretend. But behind the scenes, God sees it all. And what did God come for? He came for our hearts. So what is unseen is often what's most important to God. And the fact that God granted us access when I was in high school, there was a really well-known speaker and he traveled throughout the world and actually the US, he wrote multiple books and I would love to listen to him speak and I had never seen him speak, but he was just, he made a big impact in my life when I was growing up and being formed and I would love to hear how he would do different things and he was awesome. And when I went to university, I went to university in the middle of Indiana, in the middle of a cornfield, literally in the middle of nowhere and a great university and when I got there, I realized that just down the hall from where I was at my dorm was the son of the speaker that I had listened to. And I was like, hey, man. And he had, side note, the biggest DVD collection. This is in the late 90s. Kids don't know about DVDs. He had the biggest DVD collection, and he had like a library, and you had to go check them out because people would never get back. And so he had a massive DVD collection. But him and I became buddies and I was like geeking out and he, it was interesting because the son, he, he, was not, he didn't want to communicate publicly and so it was not a thing that he wanted to do. But, but, but man, he's the son of this well-known speaker, communicator, author. I mean, just an incredible, I, I just was, loved him. And so I remember when his dad came to speak in Indiana, we were in, uh, in the middle of a cornfield at, a, at Indianapolis, a large city. And so he's like, hey, my dad's coming to speak. Do you guys want to go down and visit him? I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So we go down, he does this thing just thousands of people, massive groups of people. And then after everything's over, he's like, hey, do you wanna go hang out with my dad? I'm like, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I mean, I just to get a chance. So I'm like super nerdy Jeremy geeking out a little bit that I'm gonna get a chance to meet him. It's super cool. And so we get back in this area and, and like, like it just was a little bit, you couldn't just go out there. And, and so we go back there and we get there and they say, hey, who are you guys? And he's like, I'm his son and these are my friends. And so we're gonna go back and hang out. So they check, oh yeah, sure, go ahead, come on back there. And so we go back there, get a chance to hang out, meet. And the only reason I got a chance to meet the dad is because I knew the son. You see what he, he already connected the dots, don't you? That was an easy connection. <laughs> Ephesians says this, you can know the dad because you know the son. And how good it is that the son's name is above other names. This is not normal stuff. And so Ephesians makes a declaration. There's not many ways there's one. His name is Jesus. And through the son and the gospel of Jesus, you now have access. Access where you didn't before. And so you get to heaven. There's only one way in. Hey, wait a second. How can you come into heaven? Not because I'm good enough or I'm smart enough or have enough hair. God bless that that's not the condition. I have access 
Because I know the Son. And the Son is the Word. And the Word made flesh. Jesus. And who else is like Jesus? It's absolutely incredible. Let me give you some quick sub-thoughts. Ready? Being with Jesus is different than being around Jesus. And this is the concern that I have for There's a lot of Christians who believe in Jesus, but there's not a lot of Christians who are willing to follow him. And I I just, that's why one of our words here at Renovation Church is follow. You know why? Because you're invited not just to believe in him, you're invited to actually know him. And my prayer is that as you read his word and get a chance to walk with him, that you would see, can I just tell you something? And this is the next second sub point. Your value is actually found in what God says about you. Years ago in Nicaragua, when my family first moved there, they would do these medical teams. And the medical teams, it was fascinating. I got a chance to translate for several medical teams. You see some crazy stuff, man. Had this one lady, this is, this is kind of gross. She couldn't hear for a long time. And so the doctors are like, well, what's going on? And they go in, they check in her ears. And then all of, I'm translating back and forth. And all of a sudden, doctor took some tweezers and pulls in her ear. The biggest bug I've ever seen come out of someone's ear. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And so we prayed for the lady afterwards, but she's like, oh, I can hear so much better now. I'm like, thank you, yeah, yeah. So now anytime anything gets anywhere near, I'm like, in Jesus' name. Stop seeing that, it's a whole thing. This older gentleman, we're, we're, it was, it was a, a medical thing up in Hinotega, which is in the mountains in, in Nicaragua. And um, massive medical uh, event and this older gentleman who, who might have been in his mid-60s but had, had just lived life. Some people have lived life. And so he comes in and he's just like, he immediately could tell he couldn't see well. And he's just is like holding onto the walls and he's going down and he gets there. And so we set him up with the optometrist and this guy from Greenville, North Carolina was there. And so did the medical exam for this older gentleman. And, and after he got his exam done, he had a big pile of glasses brought from the States the optometrist reaches in, finds a pair of glasses, hands it over to this guy, and he takes the glasses that have been prescribed to him and he puts them on his face. And it was, he freaked out. He's like, <gasps> because for years, he had seen the world so dimly lit. He's just like this, and even coming in, he's holding onto the walls, and he, he just could barely see. All of a sudden now, it's like everything was so much, the colors were more vibrant, the room was more clear, he could see reactions in people's faces, and it was like overwhelming his senses. He's like, oh! <clears throat> and then he got up, and then the weirdest thing happened. He took his glasses off, put them in his pocket, and then walked out. <laughs> But you know, I, I, I find that we do the same thing, don't we? We take our value in our career and the, and the clothes that we wear and the cars that we drive and the person we married. We take our value in what we think we've accomplished and yet God says you have value. Why? Because of the son Jesus gave his life for you. So Ephesians makes a declaration. It says you have access. There's only one road. And by the way, you're invited to be on it. So the value of your life, your identity, and how many people, one of the reasons I think people don't come close to Jesus is because they're afraid of being rejected by Jesus, that you're a second-class citizen somehow. And can I just tell you, nobody was afraid of being rejected by Jesus. 
They came to him, sinners in droves. They wept at his feet because he doesn't reject his sons and daughters. He loves all of us. And so if we could only see the identity and value that we carry, if we could understand how much God loves you, which is what Ephesians is. Paul writes, he goes, your inheritance, if you could just see it and understand it, that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead loves you that much, it would change how you see yourself. We have access. Hmm. The second word I wanna use is this. It's the word pain. And here's the thought, ready? Jesus has scars too. And I love... Okay, so when I was, here's a little tidbit about me, and I've actually played some of these videos in the past. When I was in a, a teenager, uh, 13, 14, 15, we were living in the country of Chile in South America, and I got a chance to do commercials, which is hilarious. I would act, I actually did modeling as well, embarrassed my kids, now today. I got to, anyway, so, and it was a way I could earn some money. It was really cool. I did, multi, I did like 13 commercials. I did, a, I did a, a commercial for Coca-Cola, in which I was in a, you know this is fake, because I was in a band where I rapped in Portuguese. I was on the keyboard. Which, forgive me, by the way, that probably was not, we have, sorry. They speak Portuguese. So I just realized, uh-oh, I'm getting called out here. I don't speak Portuguese. It was a Coke commercial in which if you exchange enough of the, you know the glass bottles of Coke? You take the tops, you could exchange those for a yo-yo. That's what it was. And I'm like, anyway, it was, okay. I have a commercial. It's not good quality. This is early 90s. This is skinny Jeremy with long hair. You will not recognize me. I just want you to, this is glorious, right? Just in bad quality, you're not gonna be able to hear well, but this 29 seconds, here I am. That's me right there at the basketball. Yes. Sopas Maji. Oh, my fake family. Oh, yay. Oh, Jeremy. Yeah, it's me. All right. My fake sisters, my fake brother. I do miss that hair for real though. Y'all know about the late night, y'all know about the 90s. The split down the middle. Anyway. <laughs> right, here's the thing. Yeah. Oh, again? Oh, hey, well, let's just put it on repeat. There's no shame in my game. I'll show myself with hair all day long. Here's what I learned about commercials. It's like 30 seconds. It takes like two days to film. And then as a teenage boy, I'm showing up my first commercial. I had no idea. They cake makeup on you like crazy. So it's like, they put, they, you don't pick out your clothes. They get your clothes. They pick them out. They, you, you get makeup on your face. You make makeup on your body. And, and they give you the lines that you have to do and the way you have to act out. And it's all scripted and choreographed. And it's incredible. One of my, this tells you how much I love food. One of my favorite things about doing commercials was in the behind the scenes, the massive spreads of food that they had for everybody. All just there. Anyway, so I got a chance to do commercials. One of the things that I, one of my favorite things about God, Colossians says this, is that Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. And so in a commercial environment, you're having to fake a lot of different things and you're having to come on and present yourself in certain ways to be able to be able to sell a product and it's all acting and a lot of it's pretend. 
What I love about God is this, is that when we look at Jesus in the Old Testament, or we look at Jesus' predictions in the Old Testament leading up to the New Testament about what God was gonna do, he sends his only begotten son and there's no acting involved. None whatsoever. He shows himself as he is. Here I am. No hiding, no pretending, no makeup to cover up. Just this is God, the creator of everything, Colossians says, the one who formed and made. And think about this. He left heaven not to come down to present himself as anything other than who he was. And what does he allow? He allows himself to be nailed to a cross. And then Ephesians says this, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, but one of my favorite things about Jesus is after he's resurrected, the scars still remained. And the followers who are with them, they said, is it really you? And he says, put your fingers in my scars. So God, who created everything, has scars. And then Hebrews says this, because we often, here's a question that we ask, does God care? We ask this, how could we not? Because life is pain and it's hard and tragedies happen. And so we say, God, do you not care? And every time I've asked this question, do you know what? I go to the cross and I see the scars on my Savior. He has scars too. All of us in this room have scars. And what I love about it is the Bible says this, is that that Jesus who has scars, when we go to him and when we pray to him, we go to a God who also understands. Why? Because he was rejected. He was alone. He was betrayed. His best friends abandoned him. Everything that he, everyone that he loved fled. He knows what it is like because he has scars. There is truly no one else who is like him. He has scars. And here's what's beautiful about this, ready? Because God allowed himself to be sacrificed and die on a cross, he gives us a path to freedom. He came for the parts of our life that no one can see, the scars that are on our hearts, the scars that have impacted us the deepest. Some of the greatest pain that you and I will ever experience in life is not physical pain, it's the pain of the heart. Pain of things that have, that have happened to us. And you know what Jesus did? He came to set the captives free, to break the chains, and, and to renew and to say that he has a plan for all of us and he wants to give all of us freedom. So yes, life is pain. But God also came to redeem us and to give us a path out of that pain. But here's the thing, and this is one of the reasons why I think many people don't necessarily wanna walk on a path. Can I just tell you, because I've been it, and healing is painful. When God wants to bring healing into our life, it's often painful. You know why? Because God is addressing the issues that cause us pain to begin with. I don't know if you've ever had stitches before, but I've had stitches in two places in my body. I have stitches on my leg right here from a moped accident. <laughs> Whole story, I've told it before. Anyway, okay, I'm stop. I don't have time to tell it now. Another time I got stitches is right here on my face. I have a small little scar right here. I was with a bunch of teenagers when I was a youth pastor. We were, I was jumping on rocks and I slid and when I slid on a rock, I was wet and my face planted forward. The reason why my arms didn't extend out to block is because I was eating Cheetos and that was a valuable thing. <laughs> so I'm like falling, I'm like, it's not worth it, Cheetos. But in the course of falling, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. 
there was a stick that was sticking up and it, yeah, uh-huh. All the teenagers who saw my face were like, oh. Went to the emergency room and traveler's rest. And here's the thing. It was in a, in a place that every time that I opened my mouth, which I'm a pastor, it's a lot, this would open. So I get there and before they do the stitches, you know what they have to do before stitches? They gotta clean it out. They gotta get in there and the same power that raised Christ from the dead wants to actually provide freedom in our life and healing. We have an inheritance. In other words, you have pain and you wonder, does God care? The answer to that question is the cross because Jesus has scars. Not only does God care, but you know what? God cares deeply about giving you a path where the pain doesn't have to define you, where his purpose can define you more than the pain. In fact, I'll even say it this way. Only God can take beauty from ashes. The same power that resurrected Christ from the dead. I'll put it another way. God can take your pain and turn it into a purpose in someone else's life. God can take what you've experienced. I was sexually abused when I was a kid. And I have shared that openly many times from stage. You know why? Because I know that many of you have gone through the same things and you think that you're alone. Can I just tell you something? That God who redeemed me and worked in my life can also work in your life. Your past does not have to define you. Why? Because Christ was raised from the dead. Pain is not the God that we serve. His name is Jesus and he is above pain. He's higher than, he's more than. He is good. So, we have an inheritance that in the pain, Jesus has a way through. Here's the last word I wanna look at and then we're done. Surrender. Can I just say this? Life is not about securing control. Life is about surrendering control. I got a chance to be in Saudi Arabia in January. And in Saudi Arabia in January, it's basically, it's beautiful. We're in the Northwest area and, and Saudi Arabia is, is so much desert and you can see desert and you can see desert and you can see desert. In fact, I'll show you a picture. This is just desert and it's arid and they have, they have these valleys that are called well, wadis and they have these mountain ranges called jebels and so wadis are these valley areas and it's just dust and it collects there. But while we were there, we were invited to this place called Edom and it's this beautiful place in which the spring of water has come up out of the ground and the spring of water that's come out of the ground has caused life to flourish. And in this canyon we walked through, it was like a five kilometer walk. Because of the water in the ground, completely changed the landscape. I'll, I'll show you what it looks like. Just a simple picture. This is actually like just a five minute drive from the picture you saw before. Desert, but then all of a sudden you turn and because of the water coming up out of the ground, all of a sudden there's flourishing happening in the middle of the desert and it's gorgeous. You know what Jesus says? I'm not gonna put this verse on the screen. You know what Jesus says? It says this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Rivers of living water will flow from inside out. And there's this, this image right here is such a start. How do we get rivers of living water to flow? Not by us being in control, but by him being in control. It's not me, God, it's you. I this surrendering of life mean, and by the way, we don't have control of them anyway. Like our control is kind of fake a little bit. We can control the thermostat, but you can't control the weather. I love controlling my thermostats, by the way. If my family touches them, it's like I have a conniption. I shouldn't, but I'm like, we can control the thermostats, but we can't control the weather. 
Life is not about securing control, it's about surrendering it. And my prayer for you is that as you look in Ephesians, Christ is the head, you're gonna draw close to Jesus, not just be around Jesus or hear about Jesus, but you yourself will get a chance to know him and walk with him and surrender yourself over to him. And your inheritance is the life that he gives. I'll end with this. Growing up in church, have you ever been to a testimony service like open mic night in church? Yeah, so, which can be scary for pastors. That's a straight up, because you don't know if a crazy person's gonna say something crazy. But I've, this statement here about not securing control, but surrendering control. I was at a church in Nicaragua. This is, man, years ago. And they did open mic testimony time. And a guy got up, grabs the mic, and he starts off by saying, man, things are really awful right now. And I'm like, I think, I'm not in charge of this. So I'm just, watch this play out. He goes, things are awful. He said, my daughter's gonna start school. We don't have money for the school supplies. He says, I lost my job. I don't know what I'm gonna do. He says, and, he, and he, for the next five minutes, he started labeling all of the ways in which everything was going wrong. And then he said, and it's, I, I've never heard a testimony like this in my life. I've, seen a lot, I've heard a lot of them. And then he said this, but tonight I am here because my God is good. And despite all the things going wrong in my life, I know that by trusting in him, he will bring me and my family through. And then for the next 10 minutes, he started praising how good God was despite him having any guarantee that it was gonna be okay. And then it turned from that testimony into one of the most beautiful worship sets I've experienced. Why? Because it's not about securing control. It's not about having everything perfect and lined up. It's about serving a God who knows what we need more than we understand it ourselves and trusting and surrendering to him. I wanna encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we pause today to acknowledge and recognize as we study your word in this book of Ephesians and the depths and the richness that's there, I pray that we would understand the inheritance that we can have in you. An inheritance, God, given to us making us whole, sons and daughters, adopted, brought in, made alive. May we never take it lightly or for granted. In fact, many of us, I believe, God, we don't actually realize how good our inheritance is, and as a result, we go about living our life on our own, in our own way, doing our own things, and we don't understand why we're always so tired and stressed and broken. Maybe it's God because we haven't realized the depth of our inheritance. So may we, as we go through Ephesians, God, be made alive because of the things that you have already done that we had a chance to inherit today, right now. That there's a way out of pain. There's a way to navigate through it. God, that you are able to provide a path to healing and that, God, you're able to do incredible things in our life, telling us who we are and our value, this inheritance, God, of, of what you have done for our hearts. So we thank you for all that you are and who you are. We love you, Jesus, in your holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Church, we love you. God bless you. Hope you have a good Sunday. We will see you guys next week. If you want prayer, we'll be down here to pray with you, over you, for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.